This is Veronica from Retra, and you're listening to Rock at Night. This is Sharice with Rock at Night magazine, and today we are speaking with Veronica Whitkin of Retra, formerly known as the Glam Skanks. Let's talk about Retra, because uh, obviously this is a big change, change of a little bit of change of lineup. I see Millie's with you guys, too. Um, why the change and how did this come about? Yeah, so it was sort of something that when we, we've been thinking about it for a while, actually, ever since Allie, our first singer, had quit. We were sort of like, eh, do we do we do a little bit of a change? You know, do we, do we mix it up a little bit? But we just got thrown into so many, you know, tours and things under, under Glam Skanks that we were just kind of like, oh, well, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Maybe we'll get to that if, if there's still too much confusion and things like that. And then when we kind of did a little bit more of a lineup change at the beginning of the year, right before the pandemic, we kind of thought, okay, if we're going to do another lineup change, now would be the time to, to maybe consider a, you know, a name change. And again, we were kind of thinking about it. And then when the pandemic hit and everything we had planned just kind of went out the window, we had no commitments as glam skanks anymore. We really sat and we're like, all right, we have new members. We're doing, you know, so sonically, not something super different, but different enough that we felt like Glam Skanks was a little bit, it, it boxed us in a little bit too much, even though we still do the glam thing. We're, you know, a little more mature than Skanks now. And musically, we think we have more to offer than, you know, just one kind of genre or whatever. So we kind of felt that during the pandemic was a perfect time to sit back and look at what we had and what we wanted to keep and what we wanted to change and sort of how we wanted to do it. So I guess it, it just kind of petered out, ran its course, and now it's a new beginning. And I love Queen of the Avant-Garde. Oh, thank you. Uh, it, the video is fantastic. It's real punchy in your face, stroby, colorful. It really fits glam. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to make sure that when we did this change that we still wanted to let you know the old fans know that what they loved about us wasn't going anywhere. We were just going to take what people loved and sort of merge it with all these other different weird ideas that we've, we've sort of had over the years. So you guys wrote all the new stuff during the pandemic together? You did? Yeah, pretty much. It was sort of, you know, usually when we're touring, we kind of try to write songs in between tours. And as soon as everything got canceled, we were just like, all right, let's, let's start writing. Let's try to get in the studio. So We've just been, yeah, right, you know, Queen of the Avant-Garde was like one of the first ones we all wrote together. So that was kind of the first one we were like, this this is the perfect sort of re-debut mm-hmm. for us since it was one of the first ones that all kind of came together with everybody's involvement and really sort of spoke about how, you know, how we feel as a band. So we thought that that was like the perfect sort of reintroduction for us. You have another song, Stardust Starla, uh, 
it's kind of 50s sounding, kind of retro. I heard pieces of it. it it's sort of like when Mark Boland tried to write a 50s song. That was sort of our, our, our mentality going into that one was like T-Rex doing the, you know, kind of Chuck Berry thing. Yeah. yeah, well, even when you think about punk like the Ramones, that's 50s, just oh, yeah. faster. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as far as that goes. So you obviously listen to a lot of 70s glam. Do you like 80s too? Like big hair band stuff? and. The hair band stuff isn't as much our our vibe. But what eighties we go a little more punk and new wave and sort of that direction. For me, at least personally, growing up in in LA on the Sunset Strip, it was just so much of the eighties hair metal thing that I just kind of kind of got over it very quickly, just because it was every band, every everybody was dressed that way. So I went through like my phase as a kid, but then I sort of was like, yeah, what else is there? <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about glam while we're at it too. Um, what is glam to you and why do you have this kind of affinity towards it? It seems to be really your thing. For me, glam was always more of like an attitude and an energy than just, you know, a genre sort of in the way that punk is that you can't really, you know, say that it's a genre. To me, it was just obviously the visuals of glam rock just always, always appeal to me. I and mean, you can't look at David Bowie and just not be amazed, you know, and guys like Mark Bolin and Brian Ferry, you just look at them and they just look so good. But it just, I think it was, you know, it's a form of rock that embraces its more feminine side. And I think for, for us girls, there was something very appealing about, you know, oh, artists with makeup and fashion. And cause you know, a lot of the dude, sort of rock bands that we love like Zeppelin or, you know, any of those bands weren't really very effeminate when it came to the makeup and the hair and the fashion. So I think there's something about, about that and, you know, about just the, the LGBTQ, yeah. you know, thing about, you know, the glam scene, it was just always a little bit more open than the, you know, hetero all, all boys group of this regular rock music. So there was even that side of it as well was always very appealing to all of us. One thing that I've, since I've been researching all this glam rock stuff, uh, it seems you can't divide fashion from it. It seems to be like the whole package. What do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't really think that I've heard of too many glam artists that don't have some sort of image, even if it's not the stereotypical glam, you know, image, even if it was like a band like Kiss with their, you know, face paint and crazy boots and stuff like, there's definitely that, it, you know, it's a whole package. And I think that's also something that's always appealed to us that, you know, it's like, there are great artists who obviously are just great without the makeup and without all the, you know, all the stuff, but there's something to be said about when, you know, somebody can just sound great, look great, put on a cool show. Every picture you see of them is just, you know, fabulous and cool looking that it just, it entices people more, I think. When I think about the evolution of glam rock, I mean, late 60s, it was all kind of hippie, dull, blue jeans, the Eagles, and then all of a sudden pops up Bowie and Elton John even. It was theatrics and color. And you know what? I think after the pandemic, we need some color. Oh, <laughs> you know? Agreed. 
Uh, is glam rock dead though? Can you think of some bands besides you guys that are really true glam rock people? Um, I definitely see, I mean, that band, The Struts, they're probably the closest that I've seen in the mainstream that's doing, you know, a good combination of like the 70s glam thing and the 80s glam thing. They've kind of got their like, you know, Freddie Mercury, if he was singing for like Def Leppard sort of vibe, which they're definitely keeping that image and that scene alive. I know that there's some, you know, we've played with some smaller bands that we fit well with because they kind of have the glam image or vibe, but I definitely think just now with, you know, in sort of the world of social media that you, you do have to have that look and that image more than I think you had to, you know, 40, 50 years ago, everybody's, you know, oh, scrolling through, clicking, you got to make sure that it's bright, it's colorful, it catches people's attention. So I think even if sonically a lot of bands aren't doing the glam thing, I noticed, you know, pop stars are always very glam. There's just that, you want to see that, that color, that, extravagance that sort of visual thing that pulls you in i think when people go to a concert they they expect to be entertained and they expect theatrics and they love it you know when they see color and bands kicking like when you play the guitar a lot you're always kicking and jumping around and stuff like that that makes it fun <laughs> oh yeah yeah, why just go to a show to just see, you know, I mean, obviously there's the people who can just sit there and they're phenomenal and it doesn't, but especially when you're at our level and you're trying to like, you know, get, get to a new fan base and get people's attention when you're an opener or whatever, like, I think it's important to have that, that extra oomph that really gets people's attention, especially like for us opening up for Adam, we have people who are all the way in the back who we want to make sure that they can see us, whether they're right in the front or all the way up in the back that, you know, we want everybody to get the same, the same show, no matter where they're sitting. That's a good point. Visually, that's why the color has to pop. That's a, that's a good point because I think even in Broadway shows, they cats or something, they have to make sure the the makeup is vibrant so people can see it all over. Right. Yeah, we're very specific with like what colors we wear on stage to make sure that people can see our makeup under the lights and from far away. And, you know, they can see our outfits and all that fun stuff because it really brings you in more than you're just, oh, I think I see some like dots running around down there. <laughs> now with Retra, you have a male member now. How is it working with a guy? <laughs> it's been fun. You know, I mean, we've we had a guy drummer as glam skanks like a long, long time ago. We've sort of worked well with guys and girls or, you know, people who identify, you know, as either or neither. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely just been a little, you know, guys have a little bit of a different confidence than I think girls do sometimes. So like, you know, he comes in with this vibe of like, oh yeah, I can play what, you know, whatever you guys need me to, which is great. Cause there's sometimes been, you know, girls who come in and they're a little more timid and even though they can totally do it, they don't, Mm -hmm. feel like they can so there's something a little nice especially when it comes to drums to have somebody who's got that confidence of like mm -hmm. oh yeah I can you know I can play this drum fill I can do this this thing and it's just kind of it, it breaks it up a little bit it's kind of nice not you know I'm sure especially for when we start touring for the other you know our road crew who's mostly male it'll be nice to kind of have a little a little bit more of a dynamic there than just like a bunch of chicks and <laughs> our tour manager <laughs> Well, let's, um, let's talk about life on the road and everything. Um, you know, there's all this, um, 
how should you say this idea in people's head that it's glamorous and, you know, it's all fun and games. What is your opinion of life on the road? And what are some funny stories that you, that pop up into your head when you think about life on the road? Well, yeah, yeah, it is funny people. I mean, I feel like people either think it's the most glamorous thing in the world or they think that it is like just, Oh, it must be miserable. And it's kind of, you get your good days and your bad days. It's not necessarily glamorous by any means, but you kind of, you know, you feel good about yourself when you're on the road. So even if you're like sleeping on somebody's floor, eating like canned food, there's still something that just feels like I'm out here, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm living the dream. Even if, even if I am, you know, eating like canned spaghetti or whatever, you know, it's like, but I do think some of those people have the misconception that like a band at our level is probably, you know, staying in nice hotels and touring in a bus. And we're, you know, we, we try to stay where we can for free when it's possible. Cause it's just, it's it helps us. We pay for everything we do on the road. So whatever we don't have to pay for, it just kind of helps, helps the ride. But when we do, we kind of, you know, find whatever cheap motels we can find and we'll do our research to find something that, is really nice for really cheap when we, <laughs> when we can, we, we, uh, we have some dietary issues, you know, vegans and things like that. So we got to be a little careful what we eat. So we're luckier than some bands as far as what we, what we go to, to eat. But uh, it's definitely, I mean, I would choose that over being stuck in my house now for the last year and a half. Yes. Any day at this point. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those weird balances that when you're on the road for too long, you're like, oh, I can't wait to get home. But as soon as you're home, I'm like, ah, I can't wait to get back out there again. <laughs> so I feel like now we're just going to probably go for like three months and not even have that feeling of like, oh, I wish I was home because I think we've. <laughs> I guess gas station food starts to look good now. <laughs> yeah, at this point, we're like, we would take, you know, eating a Taco Bell every day to get oh. out there and see people and, you know be back in it again. <laughs> um, traveling overseas, what's that like? I know you guys went all over the UK and you traveled Europe too, correct? Yeah, yeah, we've done UK and uh, Europe a, a few times now. We, we, I mean, we love touring anywhere, but there's definitely something special about going over, you know, to another country and exploring and just meeting people that are you know, culturally completely different than you hearing different languages, eating different foods. I mean, we, we love it. I, I have like a severe phobia of flying. So it's always a little dramatic, but as, as, as much as I hate flying, I love doing it too much. So we always, you know, it's just so stressful making sure we have everything. It's kind of a, you know, going through the airport with all of our, our gear and trying to, you know, figure all that out. But, oh my God, it's just, especially like the, the best thing about touring Europe that we love is they really support uh, the arts and live music there. So we are always put up at somebody's house and they're, it's always just the coolest people and they'll, you know, invite all their friends over and we'll get to like meet all these people and party and the, you know, they feed you. So you'll like go out to dinner with everybody who works at the club that you're playing. And there's this real like camaraderie with everybody. Cause it just, you know, every night, every night we'd be in a different town. We'd be eating dinner with, you know, the crew and the people who run the venues and their friends and family. And it's just, you know, this, this sort of thing that you can't really get 
anywhere you think else. It's because you guys are Americans that, you know, they just like Americans a lot? Part of it, I mean, apparently their governments just sort of help fund the arts there. So any touring musicians get, you know, fed and, and put up somewhere just because, you know, they, they understand what it costs to usually tour. But there's definitely this thing. We, there, there's this one story we were in this, I can't remember the exact name of the town, but we were somewhere in Portugal in a really, really small town. And apparently we were the first American band to ever come through their town. Wow. So the whole town came to dinner with us afterwards. There must have been like 50 people crammed into this little restaurant at dinner with us. Like the whole, every, every you know, young person in this little town was there. The venue, they had people climbing up. We were playing upstairs. They had people climbing up because they couldn't get in through, through the front because it was just like, oh my God, an American band is here. Holy cow, that's like going to third world or something where they've never seen outsiders. <laughs> yeah, they had, you know, other European bands come through and things like that, but they never had a band from America, and especially a band from Los Angeles. So it was like this huge deal that we were in this oh. tiny town. <laughs> Holy cow, you're treated like we're the red carpet. <laughs> oh, yeah. The guy we were staying with, his cousin owned a restaurant. They're like, my cousin's restaurant, whatever you guys want, order anything off the menu. It was just like. <laughs> That's a far cry from the United States, the way uh, people are treated or whatever, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, have you, what are, have you been to like Eastern Europe at all? Any countries over there? No, we've mostly done, we've done France and Spain a lot of times. We've done uh, Germany and Belgium a couple times, but we haven't really, and then Amsterdam. But other than that, we haven't really ventured out too far. We, we, we'd like to do more Eastern Europe and Scandinavia. Like we, we really want to actually sort of branch out and see as much of Europe as we can. Well, when the pandemic is over, does Retro have any plans to do any touring and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, we're starting to pull it, put our feelers out now because we know that once things are, are a go, it's just going to be, I mean, usually for tours, you have to book them a good six oh. months in advance. So we're kind of starting to put things out for like end of this year, beginning of next year. If things go smoother, maybe hopefully like we're looking to maybe tour a little more locally, do the U.S. in like October, we're kind of maybe shooting forward doing like a California tour maybe in July. So we're kind of, but international, that'll probably be, be next year, most likely. Uh, you have a couple singles. Is there an EP on the horizon or a full album? We're, we're looking to probably do a full length album. We're just kind of, we, we've got about half of the songs recorded. We're going to do a few more. We're sort of waiting to see what the touring thing is like, because we'd like to sort of put out a record when we're touring. So we might just keep doing like singles or an EP in between then and then once, once we know we're good to tour, release the full, mm -hmm. the full album. Uh, is there anything that you would want people to know about Retra, about your philosophy or what could they expect at a Retra show? Ooh, well, definitely uh, what you can expect at a Retra show is going to be a good time loud music just I'm sure especially after this pandemic we'll be really getting in people's faces jumping into the crowd when when it's safe you can definitely expect a very uh intimate and physical show no matter how big or small it is <laughs> and 
it's weird. Our, uh, our philosophy, it, it's funny because when we came up with the, the name retro, we were sort of playing around with the word retro with a feminine yeah. you know, sort of perspective. And when we were looking it up to make sure that there weren't really any other bands with the name or whatever, you know, all, all that kind of pre, you know, announcement research. Millie, I think it was Millie came across an urban dictionary definition of the word retro. Whoa. <laughs> and it it fit us perfectly actually let me see if i can yeah it. find it because to me retro is the feminine form of retro in a sense yeah. if you were to look at latin you know yeah and that's kind of where it started mm-hmm. but then we saw this this uh urban dictionary and basically they were just saying that it's pertaining to the movement which encompasses many humanitarian philanthropic metaphysical and socio-spiritual political philosophies and practices which aim to enlighten the individual's perception to alternative perceptions and views in order to instill an instinctive moral code stemming only from positive notions relating to fellow life forces. Holy cow. (laughs) <laughs> and underneath it, it said, retro is the future and retro is not a religion. It is a way of life. You can choose to believe what you like, but I'd rather believe in something that is going to create and spread positivity. My belief is not in a religion, but in retro. And we saw that and we were like, wow, that actually kind of fits. <laughs> You're going to have a cult. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> A freaking cult. <laughs> yeah. I have a picture of Tommy, the movie Tommy, you know. <laughs> One of my favorite films. <laughs> See me, feel me, touch me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that that probably does go along your, your philosophy too. Um, feminist for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Philanthropic, lover of animals. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we are trying to spread something positive, you know, especially with all the sort of negativity going on with the virus and with, you know, just politically things and yada, yada, you know, it's like. Last year was a dark year. Yeah. and And, And that's why I like to see brightness, brightness. To me, the 80s, the 70s were kind of, dark blue jeans, just kind of like, eh. And when the eighties came, it was all bright colors and flash and hope that happens now. (laughs) I definitely think we need some, some color. Yeah. Optimism. Optimism. Yeah. 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 I think that, you know, one, the best and worst thing about the pandemic was that everybody sort of, you know, everybody had it differently, but we all sort of were in the same mm-hmm. sort of, you know, headspace, all of us. And in that same, like, you know, all feeling sort of that same darkness, which is horrible, but somewhat unifying at the same time. So I think that now it's time to bring everybody out of that collectively, just how we were all collectively in it for so long that now it's, you know, and, and that is what music is for, you know, is bringing people together exactly. and bringing 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't wait to see what concerts are going to look like when things are fully, you know, no capacity restrictions. Everybody can get all sweaty and gross with each other again. It's going to be <laughs> I hope that people, people kind of love each other a little bit more than we were a few years ago now after not being able to hug each other and dance with each other and sing with each other that people kind of learn how to do that again. I think one thing we've learned is we humans need each other too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really, if it wasn't for social media, we've all been isolated, you know, keeping in touch the human contact and now even zooming, you know, people really need each other. That's one yeah. thing I found. Yeah. And as great as it is that we've had social media to keep us together, it has definitely shown that it is not like a real real substitute for the real thing. It's a great when we need it. It's I can't imagine going through this last year and a half without some form of social media, but now it really shows that when we can get back to the real world with each other that maybe then we need to like put all that shit down. Yeah. Yeah. And be there with each other. Not every you know, not everybody needs to be at a concert like this. You you had for the last year that you can save on your computer or rewatch like be there, be in the moment now, because we don't know when we're going to have to like go back into hiding like this again. That's, that's an excellent point. And, you know, there's nothing like a live concert. Are you guys planning to do any uh, live streams, retro to show people, you know, like, so people could kind of watch you kind of being like a live band? Any plans? Yeah, we, we did one about a month and a half ago for Vox ampl- Amplification. We, uh, oh, okay. We did something through their Instagram and that was kind of the first little thing we did. And it's interesting. I mean, we, we want to do a few more, but it definitely doesn't have that same, same feel. We're, we're, we're kind of figuring out how to set up our own studio to do live streams so we can kind of do it whenever we want. But we just kept sort of holding out of like, yeah, maybe we'll just wait and hope that shows come back instead and not have to really do this. But the more it goes on, the more we're like, yeah, maybe we should, kind of figure that out there's my cat (laughs) uh speaking of pandemic you know we had a lot of time off is there anything that you had time to do that you never you never did before like a new hobby or a new just out of curiosity something new um I've always been interested in making clothes I kind of alter my own stage clothes so at the beginning of the pandemic I was just making outfits for myself so you do sewing and everything. Yeah, yeah, I do a little. I kind of re- repurpose things. I can't really make much from scratch, but I'll go to thrift stores, buy stuff, and kind of tear them apart and put them back together. And I've always done that a little bit, but over the pandemic, I got really, I got myself like a sewing bust and all that kind of stuff and got really into it. And then, then I hit a peak where I was like, I can't wear these clothes anymore, anywhere right now. Maybe I'll take a break. <laughs> So now I kind of have all these new outfits that I can't wait to wear in, you know, videos and at shows and stuff. All dressed up and no place to go. Yeah. <laughs> so you make a lot of your own costumes then. Do you alter your clothing to wear on stage? A lot of it, yeah. Usually, like, I have a lot of suits that I'll kind of, you know, put stuff on them, sort of like a nudie suit vibe. I kind of do that sort of stuff or kind of, you know, like put sequins on something, I'll sequin like the collar of a, you know, a jacket or things like that. Nothing super extreme, but I kind of just, you know, throw something on the back of a jacket or kind of that sort of stuff. 
So you have to glitterify your, your clothing to make it glam, which goes back to the glam topic. Uh, what, you, you do your own makeup and everything and... Yeah, usually my aunt is a makeup artist. So when we have big things like a music video shoot or a big photo shoot, I'll have her do, do my makeup. But for live, we all do our own stuff. Millie is an incredible makeup artist. So she'll help any of us in the band who need it when we need something more professional. Audra, her partner, is a great makeup artist too. So they do her makeup. So we all sort of either do each other's or have friends or family help us. Yeah. Uh Andra's the new singer. Um, can you tell me a little bit about her and her background? Because I don't know anything about her. Yeah, it's it's funny. We met her maybe a month before the pandemic. We got really lucky. It was actually also a funny story how we we met her when we knew we kind of had to start looking around for, for singers. A friend of Millie's was like, oh, I know this girl, she's a great singer. She works over at this bar, you know, I'll introduce you. And we have so many friends tell us that somebody would be great for the band and they're just not, whether it's been drummers in the past or singers or whatever. And friends mean well, but they don't really ever, they don't always know. So Millie was sort of like, all right, yeah, we'll see. They go to the bar that she was working at and it was a karaoke bar. And they walk in and Audra's singing karaoke and Millie just was like, you know, lost it. I, I wake up in the morning to all these videos of, of Audra singing and, oh my God, check this girl out. Look at her social media. And I checked out, you know, her stuff and in a weird sort of meant to be coincidence, she had covered Moon Age Daydream by David Bowie and, uh, Sweet Transvestite from the Rocky Horror Show. And I we had covered both of those songs. And we were just like, what are the odds that somebody our age would cover these two songs? Cause you know, we get a lot of people who sort of bullshit us and will say that they like, you know, these sort of bands and they don't really know who they are. And doing all of our research, we're like, oh my God, she actually, you know, her favorite band is the New York Dolls. She's from the East Coast and that's- Thunders. <laughs> bonded on because it was like who our age in Los Angeles knows the New York dolls anymore and I, I saw a picture of her wearing you know a T-Rex t-shirt and it was just like we are before we even auditioned her me and Millie were like what we feel like she's gonna be the one like that just seemed like <laughs> and when we got together with her and we actually heard her voice and and really like talked to her on you know and got to meet her and got to know her and we just like we knew we had other people we had to audition that we were obligated to because we already mm -hmm. scheduled it but we were like oh no uh, she's she it's her we know it's her like we automatically it was sort of like me millie and audra all became soulmates like right away after after meeting her what that's excellent it was meant to be serendipity you know meant to be uh was she in a band before or that she just was singing for fun at the karaoke um She's been doing uh, stuff like as a solo artist for years. So she's been in projects with people, but she's been been doing, she does her uh, her own solo music and she's actually a drag king. Oh, wow. So she, Interesting. Yeah. So she already had built up like her own fan base too, which was great doing between her own solo music and her drag king performances. So she already kind of knew how to really like work a stage and work an audience from all of her her years especially she's from Washington DC but she went to she moved to New York when she was younger so she 
sort of had that experience there playing in the, you know, the local music scene in New York. So we've, we've kind of come from those two separate LA, New York kind of. I have to say, um, watching her in the video, the Queen of Avant-Garde, she's, she's got a real charisma, you know, real stage presence. So, you know, I think it's going to work out well. And it's so funny that you guys all were into the same type of music, you know, the seventies, the, for real, not a fake glam, but really, really, you know, everybody can say they love David Bowie because everybody knows who David Bowie is. And you'll be like, Oh, T-Rex. And they'll have no idea who you're talking about. They just know bang a gong. That's it. Yeah. You reference Roxy music and they don't know who you're talking about. When somebody actually knows not the hoople, they don't know who that is. I, yeah. yeah, you know when you when somebody can spout off like, "Oh, Brian," you know, you're like, "Oh, they actually no. know that." Oh my god, <laughs> you know, they're not just into the like radio hits and the, you know, because there's those people who will like, "Oh, I know that stuff," and then you'll be like, "Oh yeah, all the young dudes," and they're like, "I don't know that song," and you're like, "You know that song? Everybody knows that song." You just it's movies. <laughs> Don't yeah. know who does the song because you just yeah Dave you know, Bo- Bowie wrote it for them yeah yeah and it's like you know that song like people be like I don't know who T Rex is it's like you do you just wow you know, do they know who do they know who Sweet is <laughs> I would hope but again I mean you know how wow. it's all obscure shit to people my age yeah. nowadays they don't really know all that stuff unless it's like the big the big things- song. I talk to a lot of young people. They just like hip hop. And I just don't get that. You know, I mean, there's some I dig, but like, uh, you know, for the most part, it's like if music doesn't really have a guitar in it. I don't really tell me that's how I feel, too. You know, playing an instrument is a craft. Sampling someone's instrument is cut and pasting, you know. Yeah, I have my my opinions on all of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> art to what some people can do with a computer and things like that but you know I'll I'll notice that like other musician friends of mine who are drummers or bass players or you know whatever they can listen to electronic music and hear something and it's still oh the beats oh the you know the bass and I'm like there's nothing I can relate to in this there's no instrument I play there it doesn't relate to what I do as a musician I don't really get it like I know so many you know like Electro, I can like some electronic music, but I, I noticed that it's definitely the ones who don't play guitar who are a little more into it because there's still bass and beats and all those things. But guitar players are usually like, eh. I really enjoy your playing too. You're, you're really good. And I really respect you guys. And I'm going to continue to follow you as retro now as I did for Glam Skinks. <laughs> And uh, I really hope that the pandemic, you know, goes away soon. And I want to see you guys come to Florida. Oh, we would love to. We we have to we have to get back out. We, we miss people. We miss crowds. We'll play to anybody anywhere at this point. <laughs> oh, we miss you guys too. Um, I appreciate you so much to talk, you know, for talking to me and uh, want to get the word out that Retra is out there and in your face and going to take over the world. (laughs) So I thank you so much for speaking to me, V, and I love you guys. And I want to see you on the road soon. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. This was <laughs> the case after a year of like hiding away. So yay, retro. <laughs> All right. Um, and um, look forward to more good glammy music from you guys. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks. And <laughs> see you All right. Time. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com.